turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. We exist in a world of numbers. We have social security numbers, driver's license numbers, credit card numbers, bank account numbers, ID numbers, phone numbers, zip codes, and it tends to lead us to believe that numbers are more important than names. But in the third commandment, in verse 7, God says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Now, what's in a name? We don't place a whole lot of importance today on the meanings of names, but they often prove to be prophetic. In 1941, two men were executed in the Florida electric chair. Their names were Will Byrne and Alfred Frizzle. There's a barber in South Alabama by the name of Dan Druff. Dan Druff. Recently in Montreal, a window washer fell to his death. He was named Will Drop. Here are some actual names from the list of the American Medical Library. There's a dentist by the name of Dr. Toothacre. There's a chiropractor by the name of Dr. Bones. There's a veterinarian named Dr. Barker. There's a pediatrician named Dr. Kidd. Their actual names, there's a medical librarian named Rita Book. An optometrist named Dr. Eyeball. A psychiatrist named Dr. Looney. A surgeon named Dr. Slaughter, and my favorite, a urologist named Dr. P.P. Splatt. What's in a name? Well, God says there's a lot in a name when it's his name. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. A name is significant because it represents three things. Number one, it represents your reputation. You hear people say, he's making a name for himself. If someone has a good reputation, we say he has a good name in town. If someone has a bad reputation, we say he has a bad name in town. When I say certain names, you automatically think of people's reputations. When I say Adolf Hitler, when I say Bill Clinton, when I say Billy Graham, you think of a reputation. Secondly, names represent character. Your name is inseparably tied to your character. And when people hear your name, they think of what you are. Your name represents character. And in biblical times, parents didn't just choose their children's names arbitrarily. They named them after character qualities. Their names were given as a prayer and a promise. In Matthew chapter 1, the angel told Joseph to name the baby Jesus, which means Jehovah saves. Why? Because it is he who will save his people from their sins. 
In the Bible, when someone's life changed, God often changed their name. Abram was changed to Abraham. Jacob was changed to Israel. Simon was changed to Peter. Today, we do that more with nicknames because they identify a person's characteristics. Old Blue Eyes is Frank Sinatra. Old Hickory was Andrew Jackson. Air Jordan. The Mailman is Carl Malone. Honest Abe Lincoln. One of the names I call my daughter Lindsay by is Baby Cakes. This past week I sent her an email. Hey Baby Cakes, I just wanted to drop you a note to let my little girl know I love you. Love Daddy. Here's the response I got back. I don't know who you are. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure I'm not baby cakes. Just wanted to let you know you emailed a 38-year-old nurse from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Well, she's right. She's not baby cakes. Because names identify character. Did you know that in Scripture, God doesn't just have one name? He's got many names. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. He's Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner or our security. He's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. He's Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. He's Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. He's El Shaddai, the Almighty God. He has lots of names, and every name identifies a part of his character. And then the third thing that a name represents is authority. When the policeman stops you, he says, Stop in the name of the law. Why? Because that name bears authority. If you're eating supper and the phone rings and you hear it's for you, it's Mel Conover. You say, well, tell him, I'll call him back, I'm eating dinner. But if they say it's for you, it's Mel Carnahan. You would probably jump up from the table and say, the governor wants to talk to me. You see, names carry authority. When David stood before Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, he said, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Why? Because that name carries authority. When you misuse God's name, you are defaming his reputation, his character, and his authority. Now, what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? Well, the word vain means empty. So this command is that we're not to use the name of the Lord thoughtlessly or carelessly or without meaning. How do I do that? Well, let me suggest four ways. Number one is the most common way we all identify with this commandment, and that is profanity. That's when you blaspheme the name of the Lord. That's when you use the name of the Lord to curse or swear. A farmer came home late for dinner and his wife said, what happened, did the wagon break down? And he said, no, on the way home I gave the new preacher a ride and from then on the mules didn't understand a word I said. 
You know, America is probably the most foul-mouthed nation in the world. A movie will not sell in our country unless it has cussing in it. In fact, they intentionally add profanity to the movie to get it an R rating so it will be a hit. Books and magazines and television are filled with profanity. Even records now have labels warning of illicit sexual language. And probably the most well-known garbage mouths in our society are comedians like Eddie Murphy, who gets paid big bucks for taking the name of the Lord in vain, and people think it's hilarious. No. Why do people swear? One reason people swear is because they think it makes them big. It proves that there's somebody. As a little kid, the first time I said a cuss word, I thought I was hot stuff. And the media really supports that by calling it adult language. But the truth is that it's weak people who have to use profanity. I say, blankety, blank, 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 I'm a macho man. Blankety, blank, 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 I'm a liberated woman. Blankety, blank, 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 I'm a manly man. I'm a manly man, not a girly girl. No, you're a dweeb. See, there's only two real reasons why people use profanity. Number one is an empty head, and number two is an evil heart. The first is an empty head. Any idiot can swear. It takes no intellect, it takes no IQ, it takes no education. I can teach a three-year-old to swear. I can teach a parrot to swear. Have you ever noticed how many things hell gets compared to? It's as cold as hell. It's as hot as hell. It's raining like hell. It's as dry as hell. He's as smart as hell. He's as dumb as hell. I want to say to people, get a vocabulary. Learn some adjectives. This has got to be the most stupid sin there is. Because other sins at least make some sense. I mean, murder brings revenge. Stealing brings you some benefit. Lying at least protects you. But what do you get when you take the Lord's name in vain? Nothing. It's like a fish biting a hook that has no bait on it. There's no incentive. When you swear at a flat tire, it doesn't suddenly blow up. <laughs> Nothing changes. You are simply slinging an insult into the face of God. And that's stupid. But not only does it, does it indicate an empty head, it also indicates an evil heart. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, Jesus said, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Did you know that your mouth is the overflow valve for your heart? A foul mouth is simply a symptom of a foul heart. 
And so when anyone uses profanity, it shows they have an empty head and an evil heart. Now let me pause right here to say, be careful with slang. A lot of slang is just watered down cussing. It's just profanity once removed. It's just profanity with a substitute. When you say, gosh darn it, that's the same thing as saying, God damn it. When you say, Judas Priest or Jiminy Cricket or Jiminy Christmas or whatever it is, you're saying the same thing as Jesus Christ. Gosh means God. G means Jesus. Heck means hell. When people say, by gosh, by golly, gee whiz, geez, that's just secondhand cussing. You say, well, those slang words don't mean that. Well, that's funny. I looked them up in the dictionary. You know what they said? Gosh is in the dictionary. Did you know that? It says a euphemism for God. I looked up G. It's in the dictionary. It says it's a euphemism for Jesus. You think God doesn't see through that? You see, the intention of your heart is just the same, even though you camouflage the words. Be careful about your slang. First way we can break this commandment is by profanity. Second way we can break this commandment is by frivolity. That's when you take his name lightly. That's when you use his name and you're not serious about it. And there are a couple ways you can do this. Number one, you can use his name irreverently. There are a lot of jokes today about God and Jesus. Be careful that you're not laughing and retelling jokes that are disrespectful to God. Somebody says, have you heard the one about the three guys who were fishing? One was a lawyer, one was a doctor, and one was Jesus. I cringe inside. Because 90% of those jokes are disrespectful. And that is taking his name frivolously. There's a second way we do that. And that is when we use his name impulsively. That's when we use his name as a convenient expression for fear or anger or joy or surprise. I caught a 10-pound fish. My God. Susie's pregnant again. Good God Almighty. I split my pants. Oh, my Lord. What are you doing? You're reducing God to a wow or a far out. And when you use God's name as an exclamation point, you are taking his name in vain. You are to use his name seriously, not flippantly. How you doing? Let me say this. It's just as bad to say heaven's yes as it is to say hell no. Because both are spiritual realities and you are using them in a flippant way without applying any thought to them. We also do this by using God's name as a filler. 
Oh, Lord, my Jesus, Lord, have mercy. Lordy, Lordy, sweet Jesus. What are you doing? You're using God's name in vain, carelessly, emptily. That's breaking this commandment. Now, I know what you're doing right now. You're coming up with ways to rationalize it. You know, when I get in trouble with my wife, Tempo, about things I've said to her, I always fall back on one phrase. You probably use it too. It's, I didn't mean it that way. You ever say that? I said, did you ever say that? I didn't mean that. We do that with God sometimes. Oh, my God, sweet Jesus, Lordy, Lordy. And I say, well, I used your name flippantly, but I didn't mean anything by it. And God says, that's the point. Nothing is worse than to say God and mean nothing by it. And God is serious about this. Here's his top ten list, and number three is, don't misuse my name. We're not talking about a minor issue here. In Leviticus chapter 24, they caught a man taking the name of the Lord in vain. And they brought him to Moses and said, what should we do to this guy? And Moses asked God, and God said, stone him to death. It was a capital offense. When you cuss or misuse his name, you are offending the God of the universe. May I suggest that you offend someone else? Why not say, oh, Buddha, or Mohammed? The God says... Don't use my name in vain because it represents my reputation, my character, and my authority. There's a third way we can break this commandment, and that is by forgery. Forgery is when you use somebody else's name to get what you want. And there are a lot of spiritual forgers in the world who misuse God's name. Let me suggest three ways. One way is we can forge God's name to indulge ourselves. People say, I don't think God really wants me to honor that contract. I don't think God really wants me to fulfill that business obligation. What are you doing? You're forging God's name to indulge yourself. I've had people say to me, I prayed about it, and I know God doesn't want me to stay in this marriage. What's that? That's using the Lord's name in vain. You are using his name, forging his name to indulge yourself. A second way we can do that is we can forge God's name to intimidate. And some people are pros at this. They come and say, God told me what you should do. God told me what's wrong with you. And I say, well, that's funny. I talked to him this morning. He didn't say anything to me. Some dishonest TV evangelists are great at this. God said, if we don't get such, so much money by midnight, we're going to have to go off the air. Well, God didn't say that. The station said that. God told me that if you don't send in a thousand bucks, we're going to pull the plug. Well, pull the plug. And stop intimidating people. You see, that is misusing God's name. 
We do this as parents also. When we get tired of spanking, tired of withholding allowances, tired of withholding privileges, sometimes we get frustrated and we pull out the big stick and we say, if you do that one more time, God's going to get you. That's forging God's name to intimidate. Spouses do this. I've prayed about it, honey, and I know God wants us to buy this Jaguar. Can't argue with God. What am I doing? I'm forging his name. I'm using his name in vain. Third way we can do that. We can forge God's name to impress. A lot of insecure believers do this. They, they think they can prove how spiritual they are by their jargon. So they use a lot of spiritual cliches, a lot of religious phrases. Uh, you know, if I can say Jesus a whole lot of times in one sentence, I must be spiritual. You hear people uh, say, say every other phrase, bless God, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And you want to say, whoa, time out. You don't impress by your words. You impress by your lifestyle. And what really drives me crazy is preachers who say, Jesus. Or God. That's almost like it's more spiritual if I can say it in this syrupy tone. That's ridiculous. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we shouldn't praise God. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those phrases, but don't turn God into a cliche. And don't be guilty of name-dropping with the name of God to impress others. Let me give you a fourth way we break this commandment, and that is by hypocrisy. God said of Israel in Isaiah 48.1, they swear by the name of the Lord and invoke the God of Israel, but not in truth nor in righteousness. Israel talked the talk. They used God's name. They claimed God's name. They called on God's name, but they didn't walk the walk. There was no truth and no righteousness. That's hypocrisy. One of the most sobering verses in Scripture was said by the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 when he said, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. These people will sound good. Lord, Lord. They will say, in your name we prophesy. In your name we cast out demons. In your name we perform miracles. But Jesus will say, I never knew you. You practiced lawlessness that's hypocrisy that is taking the lord's name in vain the great puritan writer stephen charnock said it is a sad thing to be christians at supper heathens in our shops and devils in our closets we bring disgrace to his name when we profess much and possess little did you know that you can take the Lord's name in vain in church? You can take the Lord's name in vain while you worship. Have you ever sung 
worship songs to the Lord, hit every note, and yet your mind is miles away and your heart isn't in it and you're just going through the motions. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. Did you know that you can take the Lord's name in vain when you pray? Jesus warned us in Matthew 6, 7, when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition. You ever get in a hurry for dinner and you just reach back for the standard habitual prayer? God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for this food. Now I lay me down to sleep. No, no, that would be... Or we say God's name a few times and throw in some spiritual cliches in Jesus' name while our brain is in neutral. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. George Barna did a survey recently and found that 66% of Americans admit to having taken the Lord's name in vain. I would suggest that those statistics are flawed because everyone in this room today has broken this commandment because there are many ways that we misuse the Lord's name besides swearing. Now, how do we use the Lord's name correctly? Let me suggest three quick ways. Number one, reverence God's name continually. When Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he began with these words, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We are to treat his name with respect. We are to use it carefully. We are to use it lovingly. We are to use it worshipfully. In Psalm 29, 2, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Don't let His name slip off your lips flippantly. We have a simple rule at our house. No R-rated movies. And it's not the sex scenes and the violence that are most offensive. It is the taking of God's name in vain. And I don't want to sit through a movie where my Lord is made fun of. And I certainly don't want to pay to do it. You say, well, that doesn't bother me. Well, it bothers God. And it ought to bother you. If someone takes my wife's name in vain, they cuss her, they curse her, I don't say, well, I don't let that bother me. Why not? Because I love her. And if you're willingly putting yourself in a situation where people are making fun of your Lord and you don't care about it, then that tells me you don't love him very much. We should reverence God's name continually. Secondly, we should represent God's name clearly. In 2 Timothy 2.19 it says, Let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness. If you are a Christian, you bear the name of Christ. And your lifestyle either exalts that name or drags it through the gutter. There are two excuses people give for not coming to Christ. Number one, they never met a Christian. Number two, they met one. They met one who was a Christian in name only. 
but lived in hypocrisy. We should represent God's name clearly. And then thirdly, we should rely on God's name completely. The psalm writer said in Psalm 33, 21, for our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Jesus said in John 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Why do we pray in Jesus' name? Because we have no right to go before God on our own. We have to come through Christ. He is our bridge. He is the one who gives us that authority. Tempa is working at Schlosky's for a couple of months while the manager takes maternity leave. And it's been great for me because I can now go down to Schlosky's and eat for free in Tempa's name. But you know what? I have far greater privileges in Jesus' name. I can ask anything in His name. And he promised to do it. What's in a name? God's reputation, God's character, God's authority. So we ought to reverence God's name continually, represent God's name clearly, and rely on God's name completely. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You say, I really have a tough time in this area because I was in the military for a while or I grew up in a home where they talked this way. How do I overcome this problem? How many of you, when you were kids, got your mouth washed out with soap? Anybody? Come on, be honest. We're coming up to a commandment that's going to get you later. Did it work? No. No. Because you see, the problem is not here, the mouth. The problem is here, the heart. We saw it earlier. Matthew 12, 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're like a tube of toothpaste. Whatever is inside of you gets squeezed out when the world puts pressure on you. And if you are full of anxiety, turmoil, fear, anger, bitterness... When, then when the pressure comes, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. If you are full of love and peace, that's what will come out. Swearing is just a symptom that there's turmoil in my heart. And the only way to change the mouth is to change the heart. And only Jesus can change a heart when you give it all to Him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. We thank you for these thoughts that we've considered, and as we've done so, we're reminded of the significance of your name. And Father, we pray that in all we do and all we say, that your name might be lifted high so that you might be honored as the God that you are. And we thank you in your Son's worthy name. Amen.